following program contains language and subject matter that you may consider unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. Greetings, Earthling. Uh, His Highness the Jackal. The Jackal. I'm going to pass the reins to Mr. Jackal, the new king of radio. <laughs> yes. Allow me to puff as well. I think Jackal's a Latino. I'm not sure, but he'll give it to you again. Hold on one second here. The Jackal. All right, everybody, welcome fans, welcome foes, welcome friends, welcome all to another exciting issue, tissue edition, episode, um, well, let's just say podcast, radio cast, whatever you want to call it, of Inside the Jackal's Head, that's right, my dirty little mind is back on a podcast near you, right here on planet Earth, this is July 19th, 2020. And I want to say thank you all for uh, sitting in with me and uh, checking out the show tonight. I have uh, with me, after a few weeks of being off, the one and only, Brandon Brother Detox. What's up, dude? How you been? Good, Angel. How you been, man? Man, let me tell you, it's uh, it's been rough without you, like, you know, having, like, no tissue paper and being in the bathroom. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll bring you, I, I got something for you tonight <laughs> with uh, aloe and vitamin E, all right? There you go. Well, we got to be careful with that vitamin E, you know, that's uh, causing all kinds of issues. And in fact, for those who enjoy the vaping, you know, there's a lot of folks uh, who love to vape, right? Uh, don't do it. It's really bad for you. It has uh, vitamin E and some other chemicals in there, which is actually really, really bad for you. So do not recommend vaping to anybody. Uh, that's one of uh, the, the many things that I was doing wrong several years ago, and it cost me almost my life. And not, you know, people are dying from other things like the menace that we should not refer to as Corona time. How's it uh, hitting over there in uh, your neck of the woods? Corona. Yeah, it's it's uh, been kind of crazy here to keep saying cases keep going up of COVID 19. Uh, yeah. We got a man- mandatory mask mandate everywhere we go now, pretty much. Uh, and they reclosed the bars after leaving them open for one week. Yep. Closed everybody back down. So, you know, just, just trying to bear with it, man. It sucks, but you just, you, we, you know, I'm used to it now. <laughs> There's nothing else we could do. Just uh, got to roll with the punches, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, a weird uh, thing, but, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to say, oh, it's because the bars were open. That's why we have the spike. Uh, no. Well, how about the rioters, the looters, and Arabs who was just going bananas for, like, what, like a week? Yep, damn the beach goers. Right. So it's not just uh, the bars that you were open. Uh, in fact, when the uh, spike was kind of going down, uh, we had, you know, and it looked like we were gonna, we were in a good direction before, like it all went like nuts here in Florida. Um, it was kind of weird because you, you know things were like shut down for a while, but the essentials, you know, were still working. Um, you could still go to, like shop at grocery stores. You can go like to uh, fast food restaurants, like you know our favorite Taco Bell, and uh, no issues, right? And uh, it was just strange because, uh, you know, nobody was uh, going crazy. The numbers weren't, you know, like shooting out of control. And then there were, like, the looters and the rioting started down here in Florida. And all of a sudden, the numbers went crazy. And then they wanted to, like, blame it on people going to bars and church. Completely overlooking 
the fact that people were looting and rioting and, and getting into all kind of like shenanigans in the streets. It's amazing how that works. Um, that, have, have you been keeping up at all what's been going on with the uh, the, the legendary Dr. Fushi? Yeah, that, that's that's been kind of a laugh for the week right there. <laughs> <laughs> Our good friend, Mr. Fuchi. He reminds me, by the way, of your avatar there, these two sausages and the pancakes deluxe. That's Mr. Fuchi. Uh, this guy who, you know, we've uh, placed in such a uh, you know, position of importance in this country for, what, 30, 40 years? I mean, remember back in, like, the 70s, 80s when the AIDS, well, you probably don't remember, probably swimming in your dad's shorts at that point. Uh, <laughs> and so was I. Enough. Yeah, sadly enough. Uh, but when AIDS, you know, really like became a thing, he was one of the doctors who was around, and you know, he's been around a lot of these viruses and and uh, you know diseases that's come up over the years. And ironically enough, we still take his word at you know at everything. But have they cured anything in the last forty years since he's been like the the top guy everybody goes to? No, no, I mean, right? Close. So why do we still like talk to Dr. Fuji? Why do why is he still prevalent? If you know they they haven't cured anything. In fact, I saw a, a video earlier and they kind of like talked about um, all the mistakes he's made during the COVID uh, you know outbreak, and it's amazing. Like he, at first he was like, "Yeah, don't wear masks," and then he's like, "Yeah, wear masks," and uh, like he flip flops a lot, you know. And, uh, even the president like looks at him in some of the videos, and he's like, "You could tell the president just wants to go at him and and rip him a new asshole," uh, but he hasn't. I think it's just uh, you know his way of like saying if I do that, then people are gonna like think it's me, you know, or, you know, and they're gonna like blame me for like dealing with Fuji. And it's funny because you know the uh, the mainstream media. At first, we're treating Fuji like he was the menace, uh, you know, and now they're like loving him uh, a little bit because Trump kind of like has been digging a little bit into uh, Fuji, and uh, he's uh, said that well, he exaggerates a little bit, and you know, this and that. And I think that's just Trump letting us know that yeah, this guy's full of it. He's full of Fuji, and uh, he's just you know, that's the Trump way of saying, careful what he says, and I. Honestly, at this point, I really don't know if I, if I could trust Dr. Fuji with uh, much uh, of this, uh, you know, uh, mistakes that he's made. I mean, we're talking about a lot of mistakes. This guy came out and, and praised Cuomo in New York, and he said that New York is the, the, the model of the way to do things right. He actually said that. All right. Now, this is uh, an area that is a complete disaster. I mean, Brandon, have you seen what's been going on in New York? Have you seen uh, how badly mismanaged the last few months have been with the coronavirus? The amount of people that have died? The fact yeah. that Cuomo was putting uh, sick patients in in really close areas. They knew were sick uh, and were older. And he was putting them with like people that were not sick who were elderly. Like in you know, like hospice centers and stuff like that, and just putting people that were sick and not sick together, and a, a lot of the numbers of the people that died are you know resulting. Now we're getting you know we're getting word of like the, the result is 
because of mismanagement and the way they handled the whole thing in New York. And then Fucci comes out saying, oh, they did it all right. Even though Cuomo might have, uh, might have actually cost them maybe tens of thousands of lives. Yeah, I, I mean, the, it's amazing. Go ahead. Um, and it, it was it was terrible. They were putting them in hospice centers. The ERs were slammed. Regular rooms were slammed. This was, this was a combination of people that may may have not been sick. You inadvertently exposed them. Yep. There may have been nothing wrong with these people. I, I guarantee you probably a good percentage of these deaths that have been recorded over the last five or six weeks were unnecessary. Shouldn't have happened. That's what I'm saying. And uh, Dr. Fucci is over there saying, oh, everything's good. Everything's all right. Well, no, everything's not good. Everything's not all right. Uh, in fact, quite the opposite of good and all right. Uh, New York uh, should not be held as a role model city or state. Uh, in fact, uh, de Blasio uh, is probably the worst mayor in the United States right now. Not only is uh, you know what he's done completely illegal in a lot of ways, his daughter is a member of Antifa. His daughter was arrested in one of the riots. And they have washed the whole thing up. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you saw the the photo of her next to the troll, and she's like all like goofy, like with her eyes bugged out, looking like Charles Manson with like a little puffy hair in the very front. You seen that? You saw that picture, right? Yeah, that was kind of that was pleasantly <laughs> creepy, <laughs> right? And if you look at her eyes, I mean, I, you're told a lot by a person by like the eyes, right? Like they they say the eyes are the windows to the soul, right? That's what, that's what they say. You can see it in the eyes. You see their craziness, right? Look, look, look at my crazy face. Huh? You can't see it on the radio, but, but people on video will be like, "Oh, look at that crazy face the uh, the jackal's making." Oh, look at that crazy eyes. Now, that's me making the face, right? If you haven't seen that picture, she's like... But her eyes are like bugged out, like she's like a meth or something. And every time they, they arrest one of these Antifa thugs, I guess we can call them that. I mean, what else you know, can you call them at this point? Uh, these members of Antifa, they all have that crazy look. Remember they had the guy with the green hair who looked like the Joker? They arrested in Seattle. That was a cute guy. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Like, you could tell that guy went and actually saw the movie The Joker, and he was like, oh, this is brilliant. I'm going to start taking some notes. <laughs> I mean, the guy painted his face white, and he had green hair. Gee, I wonder where he got that look from. You know, and it's ironic and funny because when that movie came out last year, people were like, you got to be careful. People are going to try to, like, reenact this in real life. And we're all like, that'll never happen. It's just a movie. Um, welcome to the Chop Zone. And the rest of the guy who was actually pretending to be the Joker, who was, by the way, the head of that section, right? Uh, really, really uh, funny times we live in. It's like art imitating a life, imitating art, imitating stupidity. That's really what that all is at this point. 
but it's uh, it's not getting pretty, man. It's not getting pretty at all. One story that it makes uh, the heart melt. I don't know if you saw this one. Um, I, does the name Cedric Charles Moore mean anything to you? Anything at all, Brandon? No, nothing. Can you repeat that, man? You froze right there. Does oh. the name Cedric Charles Moore? No, no, no. Nor should it to anybody. Like this guy should not be in the news. He should not ever be a celebrity of any kind. Like this guy should be in obscurity forever. But he got himself in the news, and I don't know if you remember this, but he is the guy. Who uh, sucker punched that uh, the kid who was dancing? Oh yeah, yeah. That okay. I remember. <laughs> remember that dude? Now, dude, it was like he knocked the kid the hell out. But yeah, he like completely like he was dancing in the video like. How? I don't know where. And it turns out the kid was twelve years old, so it's violence against a minor. And it was all recorded because the kid had been doing that, I guess, a couple of times. Uh, and the guys in the video, uh, one of them was his dance instructor. I guess he teaches dance, and this kid was, you know, a student for a while. And they had been there doing that. You know, like, the neighborhood knew who they were. They were really cool with everybody. Never has been an issue. The, uh, in fact, the, the guy who was sitting down with the other kid next to him, he's the dance instructor. And he is, uh, you know, he's been doing that for years according to the uh, article I have here. Uh, and this, you know, just was random. Like, there was no, I mean, for right now, there was no reason for it. It's not like a retaliation against the instructor. Certainly that kid doesn't look like he was living the thug life, dancing, you know, weird on the uh, the streets there. I don't think he's, you know, breaking into anybody's homes and, you know, hitting anybody with baseball bats. The kid doesn't look like that type of kid. He's just... He was there with his shirt on, just trying to bust a move, man. Doing a very bad job of it, by the way. Not a very smooth dancer. He was like, Ah, Mr. Rabato. I don't know what the hell he was doing. But um, the story goes, the uh, the guy who sucker punched the 12-year-old boy, well, he uh, he's in now uh, officially in police custody. The Missouri police have arrested and charged the man accused, and his name is Cedric, like I said, Charles Moore. He's 27, and guess what? He turned himself into the law uh, this past Wednesday, and uh, he's been charged with second-degree felony assault charges and first-degree child endangerment, which is a major felony, according to uh, the uh, Cape uh, Girardeau Police Department. I don't even know they had the Cape Girardeau Police Department. Uh, the police uh, were able to quickly identify more. An issue was uh, a, an issue, a warrant on him for his arrest due to the video of the assault, which was captured on Facebook Live. Talk about wrong guy to go punch. This guy did it live on Facebook like an idiot. Over one million views have right now seen this guy and know his face and saw exactly what he did. According to reports coming out of uh, Communist News Network or CNN, uh, the footage clearly shows a man whom police identified to be more exiting a vehicle 
from the passenger side, uh, jogging up to the uh, boy unprovoked, like I said, and sucker punching him right in the face, causing him to bleed. And, uh, of course, when he fell, he hit his head, and the head was bleeding, the jaw was messed up. More than uh, he re-entered the vehicle, and it sped and drove away quickly. The boy fell to the ground as a result of the attack, and moments later seemed dazed and confused as he hunched over in apparent pain. And if you look at the video, it's really uh, disturbing. There's uh, blood coming out of his head at one point because he, when he falls back, he knocks his, his head over. Uh, I think he hit the... Um, he didn't hit the concrete, I don't think, but I think he hit like the radio that was playing the music and yeah, it banged on. Something or yeah. That broke his fall, kind of. Yeah, and uh, luckily for him, he didn't hit the concrete. I mean, if he did, with that kind of force and the way he went down, he could have like, killed himself. Yeah, he could have cracked his head wide open like that. Yeah, so, I mean, let's just say that Cedric uh, Charles Moore here is going to face some serious jail time, uh, but at least he's not facing murder charges right now because that could have been uh, a murder charge. That could have been murder three, and he would have been facing 20 years to possibly life. Think about that. One move of stupidity is going to cost him several years. It almost cost him his life behind bars. It did. At least he turned himself in, but still. I mean, it, yeah. he has no choice. I mean, anybody no who choice. is... He can't hide. Yeah, I mean, and if you're hiding the guy, you know, you're you're abetting a criminal. Like, this guy deserves to go to prison. Uh, and the messed up part is, I think he has kids and everything. I mean, he, he, this guy should know better. Uh, yeah, if you have kids... Himself. Yeah, I mean, how would he like it now if his son is attacked for no reason? You know, I mean, I'm sure he wouldn't like that, right? And there's a lot of random acts like that. You know, I reported on my website, angelespinal.com, um, a little while back where we had a 92-year-old lady just walking in the streets. I'm sure you remember the story, Brandon. And she gets punched in the head. She falls over and almost cracks her skull. A 92-year-old woman. Now, you don't have to be 92 to look elderly. And luckily, she was still walking in public at 92. So God bless her. I mean, to be able to, I, I, if I get to be 90 and I'm still like breathing, I'll be lucky. This lady was walking and active. And here's some dude just sucker punches her in the head and knocks her over for no reason. You know, and uh, this is getting uh, no attention by the media because they don't want to report on this because it's not a life that matters, right? You know, only criminals uh, that get killed by uh, by police matter. Nobody else matters. Like, you know, if you're a, a black police officer who gets killed, that doesn't matter. Yeah, who cares, right? No matter. If you're an innocent 19-year-old uh, kid in Seattle who's... Uh, father goes on Hannity uh, and, you know, cries after you're, you're, you're killed in crossfire in Seattle when you're just trying to go home and be peaceful, you know, and the media doesn't want to cover that. Young 19-year-old kid, dead. A few days later, 16-year-old kid, dead. Media doesn't want to talk about it. They just want to continue talking about criminals that are killed because they resist arrest. 
And that's what they want to glorify. And then they want to glorify governors in New York who do a, a piss-poor job, get people killed, and they want to say, oh, they're doing a good job. Doing a good job. You know, I remember, uh, Brandon, and I know that you, uh, you've heard the name William Milton, Milton William Cooper. Yeah. Bill Cooper. Familiar? I need you to, like, be a little quicker with the answers here, bro. You're taking too long. Hello, Brandon. Yeah. You're muted. Yeah, I, I know the name Bill Cooper, man. Okay. I need you to be a little bit more on the, uh, the answer tip there, and not 20 oh, seconds later. Sorry, it froze right at that point. <laughs> I was waiting it out. <laughs> Don't wait. Just jump in. Um, okay. William Cooper was talking about this 30 years ago, this exact moment we're, we're facing right now. Uh, in, in fact, if you guys never read the book, uh, check out Behold a Pale Horse. Uh, it's enlightening and, uh, it really, it's a, it's a mind twist because he's talking about his uh, personal life, things he went through, things he experienced, um, being in, you know, the, the government. And he talked about the, the projects he worked on within government, some of them classified, heavily classified uh, projects that he knew were going to happen in society. They were already planned 30 years ago, uh, like the mass police shootings that are leading up to other incidents, like mass rioting, the stuff, everything that's happening now. I mean, this has all been part of the plan. I mean, every single thing is part of the conditioning and the, and the planning, uh, including the death of uh, the, a civil rights leader, John Lewis, who passed away this week. And, uh, you know, at one point, this this person was a civil rights uh, activist. You know, he uh, went through uh, a terrible thing in the uh, civil rights uh, era where he was uh, beaten up. And uh, he was very vocal uh, with Dr. Martin Luther King. A Republican, by the way, a conservative, Dr. King, who was murdered by a Democrat. And at the time, uh, I don't know if Mr. Lewis knew that, uh, the exact uh, party that Dr. King was in, but he uh, became a, a very uh, strong mouthpiece for the Democratic Party. And uh, he died this past week of old age, he was in his 80s and uh, in bad health but the the reason i bring it up brandon is because for the last uh four years since trump had been in office this guy has gone from like civil rights uh you know icon uh to an embarrassment to the congress uh over like using racist remarks uh saying that you know people should go out and, and get into good trouble as he called it uh, talking uh, to people about going out and committing acts like the ones we're seeing. Basically, it was stirring the pot. And they did an ad for, I guess, a, a documentary that they're putting together. And everybody in the documentary that's talking good about him are like AOC, Nancy Pelosi. You know, your typical Democrats uh, who yeah. love, you know, what's happening in the country right now. And ironically enough, in the video, they focus on him saying... If you have to go out and do this and that, get in trouble. Do it. So basically, you have a, a person who is looked upon as a hero in the community telling other people to do the things that are happening months ago, before any of this stuff happened. What do you think this stuff is happening now? That's that's scary, you know. I saw the, all the video clips that they showed um, and of course, AOC, Pelosi were 
you know, you know, coming out first. I'm sorry, I don't want to hear anything either one of them have to say. I think they're both full of crap. Yeah, you know, so, sorry to any of our listeners actually do like them. I, I think they're both full of crap. But you know, in in the last four years, it seemed like overnight he's just did a 180 and he he was coming out with somebody's remarks and you know what we're seeing now it, it it's it's scary you know when you see someone do such a drastic change like what makes you go sour that late in life uh you know it, i think honestly i don't think that he was really uh sour uh, or sourpuss as some uh, would like to call him uh, i think really what happens <laughs> <laughs> you old sourpuss that's an old term by the way uh, that old sourpuss uh, no, you know, I think really what it was, uh, he was a complete uh, socialist leftist, and he sold out years ago, and he became a career politician. And, you know, there's a, a saying that we uh, comic book fans love, is uh, with great power comes great responsibility, right? He had been handed uh, this, uh, you know, seat in Congress he, he wanted. Uh, he had it for a very long time. Instead of doing good with his, uh, you know, with his trusted power, He's done nothing over the last 30 years. I mean, can you think of one moment in the last 20, 30 years where you, you turned on and you say, hey, John Lewis did something positive? Do, 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 He's made millions, <laughs> like, you know, like the rest of them. You know, let's look at Nancy Pelosi. She has 200 and almost $300 million in the bank. The numbers don't add up to her salary. How does she make all that money? Jeopardy music? It's it's amazing what they you know these folks are getting away with, and uh, I do still go back and I laugh every time I hear the uh, Nancy Pelosi wrap up smear that uh, she uh, that she uh, described. And it, when you look at what's happening now, and you look at the last four years with Trump, you're like, yeah, that's kind of like what they've been doing. They lie about something. They they smear it over and over and over and over and over and over until everybody like believes it. And then you know, even when you show them the truth, they're still like, no, that's a lie. Uh, now, part of uh, what John Lewis hated Trump for was the whole Russia thing, right? He, he, early on, he's like, this president is you know engaged in a conspiracy with Russia, and even Nancy Pelosi still is on that trip about Russia. It's already been debunked. There was nothing with Russia. The only collusion with Russia was by the Clintons, who bought the Steele dossier from Christopher Steele, yada, 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 all made up, nothing legit. They went through three years of impeachment, went nowhere. Millions are spent. Nothing, right? And yet, they're still pointing like the president is somehow in a conspiracy with Russia. And they're still pointing at the things within the Russian uh, hoax as proof of this conspiracy. And most recently, they're, now they're attacking uh, Roger Stone because the president commuted his sentence. And uh, I'm not a, a Roger Stone fan by any means. Um, I don't know a whole lot about his background. But I do know that what they arrested him for was not legit because you can't arrest somebody and say they're lying when the whole thing is based on a lie, right? If the guy's telling you, yeah, I, I, that didn't happen, and you arrest him because you think he's lying, 
And then it turns out the whole thing was a lie from the other side, not from him. Uh, but from those accusing him, why is the guy still in jail? Right? Does that make any sense? It doesn't make sense. At that point, they should have just been like, all right, you know, uh, commuted, expunged, whatever you want to call it. You know, he he did nothing. Basically, they arrested the guy because he was part of the Trump team. And they, they were going after him, Michael Flynn, uh, all these, you know, people that were within the, the Trump uh, group. And that's really what that was all about. And uh, it was about taking down an, an elected president. And, uh, Brandon, I'm telling you, all the dots are connecting. And this whole thing is going to go right back into Jeffrey Epstein. That's what this yeah, is all about. That's what it's all about. He's becoming that. That's that focal point. It's going to fall yeah. back. He's This whole thing is because Trump outed Epstein. Um, not only that, remember, remember uh, if it wasn't for Trump in the uh, 2000, mid-2000s, the investigation into Epstein would have gone nowhere. Uh, so because of that investigation, they were able to pin something on this guy and really start a, a legit trial, and they found him guilty. While well, he got a sweetheart deal, as a billionaire, some of the charges didn't stick, some people didn't want to testify, it was a mess. So they gave him a, a kind of a quick, you know, kind of a sweetheart deal where he got away with a lot of craziness, which you and I would not be able to get away with. Uh, but he was able to do it. With that said, you know, now we know who he is. And uh, if it didn't start there, it would not have ended up where it's ending up now, where the swamp is literally eating itself alive. And it's a beautiful thing to see. Uh, you know, when Trump came out saying they were going to drain the swamp, I don't think even he knew how deep the swamp was and uh, how messed up things were. And uh, it's not just in you know Washington or Congress. You know, Hollywood is involved. I mean, this is a literal draining of the entire United States swamp and all the bad players involved from all angles, and everybody's starting to feel it, and I knew stuff was really going to start going down with the Me Too uh, movement and cancel culture and all these things started really, like, popping up everywhere, and I was, like, I was waiting for it. I was, like, this is going to turn on them, and sure enough, they're eating themselves now. Now, people like Ellen DeGeneres, who was part of the, uh, leading up the Me Too movement, she's getting the, the she's feeling the burn. You know, she's getting canceled. Uh, you know, the cancel culture has caught up to her. Uh, you know, you have a lot of folks there were on TV. Jimmy Kimmel, for example, is feeling the burn. I think his show got canceled. Uh, so it's happening more and more because these folks have been doing a lot of stupid, really messed up things behind the scenes for years. Nobody's holding them accountable. And now cancel culture is you know, turned on itself as rightly it should because what's happened is the left was pushing this uh, this phenomenon for the last uh, few months really hard. And then the other side said, oh, yeah? Well, guess what? We got skeletons and so do you. And, then you know, the skeletons started coming out. Uh, like uh, Mr. Alec Baldwin and uh, his trips to Petal Island and uh, President Clinton, uh, Bill Clinton, and all his 20-plus trips to Petal Island and 
And when I say pedo, I mean pedophile island with uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, a lot of folks are on that list. Chris Tucker was on that list. I've seen the, the names have come out from uh, from uh, Maxwell, the uh, Jazeline Maxwell, his mistress. I mean, we're talking about a lot of celebrities. Chris Tucker, man. I mean, which explains why he didn't do any more movies after, like, you know, the Rush Hour trilogy. Like, like he disappeared, right? Now we know where he went to. He was on the island. I wonder if they were, like, if they would call it a rush job over there, a rush hour. What he was doing over there. What do you think, Brandon? No? Yeah, no, I completely agree. You're very enlightening. Uh-huh. Real talkative tonight, uh, Brandon. Good job. Sausage and links and all. That's why he's the sidekick, folks. I don't know what the hell's going on with, uh, Brendan over there. Uh, but uh, that's a, a crazy uh, story in itself. But uh, back to uh, Cedric Charles Moore. Good riddance to bad rubbish. He is now in prison. And uh, hopefully uh, he'll stay there for a while and he'll come out as a young lady, perhaps. Hey, speaking of uh, switching topics... How's that for a segue? Pretty good, huh? Not too, not too bad. Oh, there he goes. There you go. There you go. Not too bad. Uh, what happened to you, man? I was asking you a question, and you, like, never answered. Which is normal. You, 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 you typically do that. I don't know what the hell happens to you, but you typically do that. All good. I, I, I think you froze right when you're asking the question. I'm, I'm good, though. But uh, I'm, I'm glad that brother's in jail. We don't have to worry about him for a while. I hope they, they charge him to the fullest extent and uh, hopefully become like a myth someday. And when you say a myth, you don't mean like a, you know, mythological creation, which we should all like, you know, read about. Like a myth, like somebody who we should never hear about again. Right, like, yeah, I don't want to hear about him again at all. Like, like maybe 200 years from now, you'd, somebody would be like, remember that idiot who punched that kid dancing? No, I don't know that guy. Oh, yeah, he's, he's a scumbag. Don't worry about it. Yeah, let's, let's leave him for like a law book for college, you know, decades from now, you know. When they <laughs> try him, convict him, got all the facts. But I, I just, I'm done with that crap, man. That's, people like that should not be free, period. Yeah. And uh, here's another one that shouldn't be freed. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, this is a, this is a fun story. Uh, this is speaking of uh, pedophilia and pedo island. Uh, yeah, you know because it's uh, we're doing sunny stories. We're doing sunny side up stories. Doing uh, you know stories that are going to make you feel all warm inside. This one should make you feel warm inside. Uh, or at least, if this is true, somebody's going to get warm inside. Uh, it says here, uh, now, this is somebody actually who I met back in 2016, okay? Uh, the director of MUFON, Mr. Uh, Jan Harzan. Uh, I met him back in 2016, like I said, at uh, the MUFON convention uh, when we did Skywatchers Radio over there. And... Um, seemed nice, you know, like, we, we talked to him for a few minutes, he uh, got us hooked up with the table and everything, uh, didn't seem like anything out of the ordinary, you know, just like a regular dude, you know, and uh, to us, at least, he was 
a nice guy to me and, and uh, Seth and uh, Crystal and everybody who went. Uh, but the past two weeks, detective from Huntington Beach Police Department, uh, Special Enforcement Bureau, have arrested two suspects on two uh, separate incidents involving online crimes against children. On the uh, 3rd of July, detectives contacted a male by the name of Jan Harzan after Harzan solicited sex uh, in sexual activity from a detective he believed was a 13-year-old girl. Wow. The suspect uh, solicited the minor to meet for purpose of engaging in sexual activity, and when the suspect agreed to meet the uh, supposed minor, detectives were there to take him into custody. Now, even if you're a, a sick pedophile, have you not seen enough catch a predator on the Internet to know better? I don't get it, man. In this day and age, this has been going on for years. They've been doing these things. This is nothing new. And these guys still keep falling into the trap. I mean, I, I, you, I'm I, lost. Look, you know, <laughs> you can be a, a retard and and be sick and you know, you know, whatever. But at some point, when you you're like 300 episodes into uh, to catch a predator. And it's been over decades that the show's been on and, and all over the internet and everywhere. At some point, you got to say, well, maybe it's not a good idea to go meet some 13-year-old girl that online when you're 50. Right. You know, that's... <laughs> I'm just saying, besides the fact that it's disgusting and you shouldn't be doing that's it anyway, but, you know. But, you know, logic, you know, especially from somebody at MUFON who we, you know, in the UFO community want to have to take serious, you know, you just don't do stuff like that. Uh, but it says here, um, on July 8th, detectives con- uh, contacted a different male by the name of Norman Powers. I wonder oh. if he's related to Kenny Powers. Or Austin Powers. Man of mystery. Yeah, and he's not going to be groovy, baby. But I wonder if you asked the girl, hey, girl, do I make you horny, baby? Uh, <laughs> it's a Mr. Yeah. Oh. Oh. But it's a... <laughs> it says here uh, that Mr. Powers also solicited sexual activity from the detective posing as a 13-year-old girl and also arranged to meet for the purpose of sexual activity once he arranged a meet, detectives contacted him and determined that uh, he was there to engage in sexual activity with the minor also. So both Harzan and Powers, sounds like a rap duo, right? Harzan and Powers. Powers and Harzan. Well, they're going to spend some time in the, in the uh, boogie together. They're both arrested for multiple felonies and transported to Huntington Beach Jail, both of uh, the sus- uh, suspicions of these uh, guys are really twisted individuals, and both suspects in these cases were specifically targeting minor females online. Uh, this is uh, yeah, this is uh, a, a great opportunity. The uh, detective said for us to remain uh, or remind anyone who has a minor child with access to the internet that predators are out there and they are looking for victims. Uh, please take the time to talk to your kids about the dangers of talking to strangers online. This could range from social media applications like Facebook and Twitter and, you know, Instagram and yeah, I, I think, Snapchat. 
all these I think people are too complacent now. People are too complacent now as as parents, as a society. They do this isn't like the mid late nineties when the internet was still kind of in its infancy. Like you say, we got Twitter, we got Facebook, we got uh, Pinterest, Instagram, <laughs> TikTok now. Where we had Kick a couple years ago. Um, it's like these people don't understand. You still have to monitor your kids now more than ever. These parents are letting their kids, exposing their kids to social media, and they're like five, six years old. Yeah, they're sitting there with tablets, they're on laptops, not for educational reasons. I mean, and they're chatting to people just like you and me. You know, they're, yeah. they're, it's like we're, we're, we're chatting to everybody. And now you got these minors in the mix and these parents do nothing to say, hey, let's put parental controls. You can't access social media. You can't access this. They just give them a computer, laptop, pad, whatever, and walk away. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there yeah. are there are a lot of kids out there that are unfortunately victimized by this. Mm-hmm. I mean, we do have our. But in the big scheme of things, we got to look at a bigger picture. There's kids out there that are being lured male and female you know the boogeyman doesn't care what you are these days no <laughs> male no, they or don't. female they, yeah. you know they're targeting kids as you know as young as eight nine years old now online it's it's disgusting well i mean the internet breeds you know individuals um that are sick to go ahead and do their you know their sickness uh, through underground uh, websites, I'm sure, and uh, what do they call the dark web? I think it's some of the reports uh, that I've seen when I started reading about this, where a lot of these individuals go and see kids. I mean, if, if people are talking about this uh, dark web and it's known about, uh, why isn't there more arrests? That's what I want to know. Right, why is there no no regulation? They call it dark dark web. I've heard black web over the years. And that's what you'll find. You'll find this, um, the molesters, the predators. And now these people that just got put in jail, they're going to have to be sex offenders. They're felons. I yeah. mean, their their lives are done. Even if they get out years from now, they're done. Now, think about the what this does to MUFON going forward. I mean, this is a, a major player in the uh, MUFON organization. And uh, this is uh, really a, a big, big, big blow for the organization to have this guy go down. And like when Stan Romanek went down a, year, a few years ago, one of the things I said was, be careful because if they start going through the emails and they start going through the, the computer, um, they might find that he's connected to a, a ring of uh, predators and names that we know and care about might start coming out. You know, and uh, be ready for that because, you know, a lot of this stuff is based on BS and, and uh, people that just want to become famous and, uh, you know, they a lot of these folks are sick in the head and they do sick, twisted things. And uh, they have their own little group and their own little agendas. And I, I love when people get busted with this kind of nonsense because yeah, at least, uh, you, you know, it's one less uh, person to worry about and one less child that's going to get hurt uh, by these sick people. So I'm happy that uh, this... Uh, these two men are, are, are in prison or in jail right now. If they're guilty, which it looks like they are, uh, I hope the law takes it you know, all the way to where it has to go and they both uh, are you know, convicted if they're properly uh, given trial. Again, we're all innocent to proven guilty. Even in a sting operation where you did the initial contacting and you set up the date with a 13-year-old girl, 
they still need to get their day in court. Let them get their day in court. Let them get proven guilty. Go through the process. When that happens, I want to throw the book at these guys. But what the uh, the overall message is, again, to the people that uh, follow MUFON and follow uh, that community, the ufology community, be careful because uh, this is another big player and names might start coming out. The swamp is eating itself everywhere. And uh, this is uh, another area where it might start happening. Now, check this out. It says here, um, and, uh, and this, this is uh, ironic. This happened, uh, for example, this happened in California, right? Uh, and it says here, if you have any uh, issues, uh, you know, dealing with uh, issues like this for parents, guardians, uh, and for kids in particular, please make sure that you check out, especially in Los Angeles, check out the website, www.icetaskforce.org forward slash pages forward slash uh, forward slash I'm sorry my Latino list came out there uh, internet safety dot ASPX why did I bring the link up ICE Task Force ICA not ICE ICA ICE uh, ICA I guess ICA Task Force. So it's ICAC, I'm going to spell it out, ICACTASKFORCE dot org. I, I guess that's ICA, ICAC, 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 but uh, <laughs> if you're a child and you've been uh, attacked by anybody, uh, check that website out, I-C-A-C-T-A-S-K-F-O-R-C.org. And report it. Don't go silent because that's a you know a major issue where kids, uh, 13, 14, 15-year-olds, don't report this stuff and they go silent. And uh, people, predators like these guys, uh, stay in the streets and stay hurting children. So I'm glad two uh, more got caught. And if they are guilty, throw them into uh, oblivion and let them burn. Because that's what these folks deserve. Uh, my good friend out of sight had a, a term back in the day when we did out of sight radio, which was uh, drive through justice. You know, when you're this kind of a sick person and you do this kind of a thing, uh, you know, just have them come to the drive through. Bam! Real quick. Get it out of the way. That's how you thin out the herd, folks. You get rid of the, the bad seeds, right? doesn't matter uh, what part of the country you're from. If you do stuff like this, you belong, you belong in some drive-through justice. <laughs> Gone. Now, in about in a few minutes, we got to take a drive-through to the commercial side of things. And I know you're going to leave us early because you have, uh, what, work? You're an essential, right? So you have work in the morning? Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, <laughs> you're an essential, my friend. That you haven't really like stopped working since the whole thing, right? You've been like kind of like yeah, really both, busy. Both of my jobs uh, never stopped, so it's just been business as usual. Yeah, I wish yeah. I had a little quarantine time to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> so you haven't had the Nancy Pelosi treatment. You haven't been able to enjoy. Twenty four thousand dollars worth of ice cream in your fridge? No, can I at least? I take twelve thousand dollars of ice cream. I'm I'm cheap. Just hook up some briars, 
fat boys and we're good. <laughs> I take look. It doesn't even take that much. Give me twenty bucks for the ice cream, some Ben and Jerry's. We're good. Some fish food. Yeah, you know, well. Cornell used to like that. Uh, Shalas Cornell Rogers. <laughs> yeah, you know, just you know, it doesn't take a whole lot. Just give me something uh, to uh, get my appetite wet. Nancy Pelosi and her twenty-five thousand uh, dollars worth of food in the fridge. It's funny. It's like twenty-five grand worth of food. Twenty-three or twenty-four of it was ice cream. Like, how much ice cream does a person really need in their house when they have twenty-four thousand dollars worth of ice cream? I hope she's not lactose intolerant. There's... Oh my God! Like, she's got ice cream to feed a third-world country. <laughs> like, if you go to Haiti, they'll be like, "Screw these dirt cookies! I want some of that ice cream, Nancy Pelosi." Give me some of that Pelosi ice cream. <laughs> and I love the video. She's actually like. I love chocolates, my favorite. I like chocolate. And I, what would I do if they didn't have chocolate ice cream? Ugh. <laughs> the way she said that. I mean, really? People are dying, and she's like laughing it up, like, I love chocolate ice cream. Oh, that's great when people can't feed their, themselves or their kids and they're dying. And you're telling people to go to Chinatown because it's party all the time, right? It's like 1999. Um, guys, we're going to take a quick break here in a second. I wanted to say that in the next hour, I have uh, the pleasure to bring on Dr. Mary Helen Hensley on the show. And we're going to talk about some of her books, including Understanding is the New Healing, which we all need in this country. We need to understand each other and heal. And uh, also Bringing Death to Life. In the promised uh, trilogy, which she's, she's very known for, um, which included uh, "Promised by Heaven," and uh, very cool uh, lady. I uh, really have. Uh, I was supposed to have her on last week, but we didn't. Uh, you know, do a, a, a regular show. We had a tribute to George, who passed away. And by the way, uh, that's still you know something that we're dealing with on the network. Uh, on a serious note. Uh, before I hit break here, I want to make sure everybody who is listening in right now live and in the podcast later on, please go to the website, angelespino.com. Check out the uh, GoFundMe page right on the uh, page there. Uh, we're about, uh, I would say, 3374 uh, 3, bucks Right now, out of 5000 it's needed for the funeral services of George. He died on the 3rd of July, and we uh, we still, you know, are trying to raise money for the family to help uh, bury our friend. Uh, so if you can give 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever you can do, this goes directly to the $2 that we left behind. I don't get a penny. I'm not trying to do this for myself. Uh, it doesn't go to the network. doesn't go to me. doesn't go to anybody that, you know, outside of the $2 that George left to... Who will have to deal with the emotional, uh, you know, fallout of losing their father, and uh, at a very, very terrible, uh, terrible time in this country. So, our thoughts and prayers always to the family, and uh, please check out the page again on uh, my uh, website, angelespinal.com, and uh, give it a little. It doesn't have to be a whole lot. I'm not asking you to blow your wad if, uh, if you can't. Uh, but, you know, even a few bucks, so get him a little closer to that goal and we'll be able to give George a good send-off. Uh, so, again, thoughts and uh, prayers to the family. Uh, we have, uh, again, a, a really fun hour coming up with the doctor uh, soon here after we come back from break. Brandon, it's been fun having you on for the first hour, my friend. You're always awesome. Hey. Whenever you can make it on, dude. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. 
Um, I, I'm going to keep the Skype up. I'm going to have you uh, on my computer speakers. I'll be able to listen in while I'm kind of getting myself situated for the night. So I appreciate you, and I'll be on next week. Good, man. Keep the sausage links and the pancakes ready. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> you be safe, man. I appreciate everything. You uh, take care of yourself and stay COVID-free, my friend. Stay COVID-free. COVID-free. All right, yeah. bro. Be good, man. And I want to welcome now the one and only, the very lovely and very patient, uh, Dr. Mary Helen Hensley, who uh, is going to join us here for the next hour. And we're going to have a, an open chat about very interesting topics, which I think we all need in this world today, Mary. And uh, this is a, a world where we need a lot of understanding, a lot of healing. And, uh, of course, you know, your books are not exactly dealing with terrorist activities and the uh, the tension that we have in this country right now in America. Uh, but I think it, it's universal. Uh, what we need right now, universal healing more than anything else. So I want to welcome you to the show. Uh, this is your first time on Inside the Jackal's Head here on the networks, and I want to say thank you for spending your time with us. And apologize for last week for, you know, having to push the show towards this week, as you you know, you know, we're dealing with a crisis here. But thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, it's so nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And my my heartfelt love and condolences to George's family. Appreciate that. And uh, the, the, I'm sure George right now is uh, up there somewhere saying, get on with the show, man, get on with the show. That's that's the kind of guy he was. Uh, but, I, you know, I want to let the audience know a little bit about you because, uh, you know, the books are very interesting. I know you've written several uh, books on different subjects here, uh, which are very interesting and very spiritual and uplifting in many ways, uh, dealing with life, death, and spirituality. So give us a little bit of a background of yourself as an author. How did you come up with the, you know, the idea or you know, what interested you to get started? Well, um, my story begins kind of as far as an author goes um, back in 1991 when I was involved okay. in a speed collision. Um, I was T-boned at 75 miles an hour in Charleston, South Carolina and broke my neck and died. And, wow. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how the whole thing, um, as far as moving into that line of work, um, began. I had quite a profound um, and extensive near-death experience in that time and came back with a, a whole lot of knowledge I didn't have before I left. <laughs> Which, it's, uh, it's funny because I've uh, spoken to a lot of uh, you know people who have had near-death experiences and they tend to come back with... Uh, things that change their lives. It's always, uh, especially the ones that can remember vividly, the way they saw, when they, uh, you know, experienced, the ones that don't need regression therapy or anything, those are the folks that usually come back and, and are very vocal about what they saw. And it's, it, 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 to me, as, you know, as an observer, because I haven't had a you know, near-death experience myself, uh, I've had a couple of car accidents. In fact, I'm talking to somebody with a broken back right now. Currently, I need surgery. Uh, so I've been through that experience. Uh, you know, luckily I haven't gone through what you've gone through. Uh, but I've uh, researched a lot because of my own experience. Uh, and I, the one thing I researched doing the show and talking to folks who've gone through uh, and you know near death experiences is uh, the calmness that they feel. The love that they feel that comes from the other side, wherever this side is. Uh, and a lot of them have told me, I don't know if you experienced this, where they almost didn't want to come back. Yeah, a lot of, it, a lot of people that I would speak with on the circuit have talked about that experience. Um, 
me, I tend to be, I've, I've had a personality type my whole life um, <laughs> where when presented with the opportunity to stay or come back, I was totally coming back. Um, mm. and I was excited about that. Now, I will speak with other people who went into deep depressions following a near-death experience because yeah. it was so amazing. So, you know, I, I, I totally understand that because I know these people um, and I know that was very profound and real for them and that they genuinely grieved and mourned that space. Well, what it did for me is kind of the exact opposite. I'm like, oh, oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this is where we come from. I remember this. Oh, God, I, now I remember why I came here. I get it now. So I'm looking at going, geez, I only have this much time down there. Um, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do it. I'm going to be worn out, you know, with the food <laughs> of champagne and chocolate covered strawberries and sliding out of life um, because I'm totally used up. And that's the effect it had on me was, you know, how much can you get done in that space of time? And, uh, but I do completely understand that other people have a different experience with that. It, it does put into perspective, though, how, uh, you know, quickly things could change from one second to the other, where your life could really just like, like that be gone. And, uh, yeah, I've always said if I ever experienced, you know, anything like that, like an out of body during next, and I was able to come back and, and, you know, continue living and was given that other chance. Uh, I don't know what I would do, to be honest, uh, Mary, if I would just start partying every day or or if I would be more conservative and just say, you know what, I might become more religious after this experience. Uh, well, I definitely didn't become more religious at all. <laughs> Not religious, period. Um, you know, and I was the daughter of a Southern Baptist minister. Um, wow, so there you I, go. What it did was it made, I, I still have deep respect for any religious choices that people make, but what it did was it made them very small for me. Mm -hmm. There was so much more. Um, so if anything, I came back, um, I came back with this deep desire to help other people recognize and remember this about themselves to kind of let themselves off the hook, not to, you know, I always like to liken it to if you and I were going to sit down and have a game of monopoly, mm -hmm. we enter into that game and we know that the pink $500 bill isn't really 500 bucks. We know that, but we make right. that <laughs> That during that game, we're going to pretend like that's 500 bucks and I'm going to own Park Place and you're going to go to jail and you're going to, you know, like we, we make an agreement to do that. And so I had right. a really profound recognition for the fact that, oh, okay, there's a veil that drops when we come in here so that we can actually accomplish what we came here to do in, you know, our limited five, some of us six senses um, mm -hmm. and, you know, with our hands tied behind our back. And that's kind of the fun of it. And this is where people are like, why would you do that? What kind of a lunatic would leave perfection and come into a space where you would be so limited, where there's constantly this dichotomy of dark and light, where, where this world, you know, where, a, you know, someone that you love can give birth to a beautiful child while this child in another country is dying a horrific death. Right. But that's the duality of earth. And so I came to have this deep appreciation for how unique that experience is. And so it's not that I'm trying to lift every, everybody's veil and go, guess what? You know, you're all divine. And everything. But <laughs> explaining that to different people at whatever level or space of their own personal um, evolution and, you know, um, understanding of how life works, it's going, you know what? Don't be so hard on yourself. 
take it easy. Every This is an experiential lifetime for you. So everything that has happened, you know, don't become one of those things because right. you're a product of all of those things. And so it allows people who've, you know, gone through deep trauma, you know, abuse as a child or, um, you know, gosh, the list is endless. It allows people not to wear the badge of I am a victim of this as right. opposed to I am an experiencer of this. So, mm-hmm. you know, very interesting for me as I sat back and I listened to your first hour of the show because I'm always trying to, you know, not engage so much in deep arguments about any one side because with what I've been through, I have such an understanding of why all of the sides are necessary, about how they they allow an experience to play out, that some of the greatest growth opportunities for people um, could only have taken place if the perception of being harmed was placed in front of them. And it's right. you know, tough pill for people to swallow because they're like, what about the children? And I'm like, <laughs> ironclad across the board yeah. in my experience. And it doesn't change just because it gets uncomfortable. That's true. We yeah. talk about you know, the angels are here to help us and that, you know, when everything, when everything's going well, Oh my God, God's at the wheel and everything's great. And the angels are here. And, but when the going gets tough, we tend to not talk about that. Yeah. Um, and what I'm trying to get across to people is that no differently than there can be a, a presence of, you know, whatever you want to call it, angelic, alien, whatever you, whatever you choose to identify <laughs> that out of the earth plane um, type of energy, that just as easily as it is for them to be present when things are going good, does it not stand to reason that somebody else would also come in to allow you to have the more difficult experiences or the ones we perceive as negative um, mm-hmm. so that you can grow and you can find your way through that and not make that trauma your identity? Isn't that kind of the whole point of being here? So, yeah. you know, yeah. as you can imagine, I'm the little kid over in the corner sometimes who doesn't have anybody to play with because um, that's a hard concept <laughs> for people who are um, – emotionally traumatized or, or damaged in some way to, to deal with. Yeah, very true. Um, I experienced uh, child abuse as, as a kid myself, and um, I was bullied in school as a, as a kid. As you, as you can imagine, I was, uh, you can see me, I'm light-skinned, and I live in South Florida, and I went to an all-black school, and I was bullied heavily being the only light-skinned kid in school. And not for, I don't think it was anything racial, it's just I was an easy target in, in the school. And... Um, Funny enough, I was bullied for a couple of years until I learned martial arts as a kid. And I took about 10 years of martial arts to the point where nobody started messing with me anymore. Like, it went away. But one thing I learned with martial arts, you know, studying for a long time, was the concentration, the focus, the awareness level of other lives to avoid the confrontation and try to do a peaceful resolution, which I think more and more people are getting away from that because martial arts, yeah, it teaches you how to be a badass and how to fight and defend yourself, but it's more of self-awareness and and self-defense than offense more than anything else. And it teaches you how to deflect consequences and try to find a peaceful resolution. But if it doesn't get peaceful, then you have to be on, you know, on the perceptive that you're going to get attacked and, you have to understand that there might be a fight involved. But there's always, my sensei used to always tell me, before you get into any major confrontation, see if there's a peaceful, logical resolution. 
because you could avoid, you know, the the mess that might engulf after that. And I think as a as a society, we've kind of gone away from that place where if you disagree with one little thing that you know might be different than the, an opinion that somebody else has. All of a sudden, now they want to go to a war with you over the stupidest. It could be the dumbest little thing. It could be a movie, a TV show, uh, you know, a political leader you might not like or you might like. Uh, and that's it, it's ironic because I've been called uh, Nazi. I've been called uh, you know all kinds of things, and I'm Latino, mixed. My great grandfather was Chinese. So I'm literally like the one person the Nazis don't want, right? Uh, but I've been called that because I, I voted for Trump. And everybody's like, oh, you're a right-wing supporter. I'm actually a registered Democrat. I voted for Obama also. So people have a perception where they're like, they want to classify you in one position because of one act. And I think that's really like the most uh, egregious or, or not, well, you know, that's probably the wrong word, but it's probably like the worst uh, assumption that people can make, I think is the best way to say it. Because when you start assuming things of others, you don't allow the dis- discussion to happen. And right now, that's the thing that we're missing most, is that ability to, to have civil discussion and find a peaceful resolution for a lot of the issues that we're having, not just here in, in the U.S., but it's been happening globally, and it's been getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, to I understand when somebody has a near-death experience, when they might say, you know, I, I really don't want to come back. You know, it's so negative on Earth right now. It's, and for myself, I look back and I look at, at people like when we lost George, for example. George, liberal, Democrat, one of my best friends, right? He had friends on all sides of the aisle, you know, and, and he never, you know, really argued or fought with somebody. You know, on air, we joked, you know, we talked back and forth and stuff, but we knew where the line was. And, uh, you know, people tend to go across that line and continue forward, which is very unfortunate. And, uh, you know, I, I really hate the uh, the term, for example, uh, Black Lives Matter. Uh, and people are like, how can you hate that term? And I'm like, well, because it it takes away the fact that all lives matter. White, black, Latinos, Asians. You know, every single human being matters. Male female, transgender, I don't care what part of the planet you are, we all matter. You, you know, the planet matters. And at the same time, nobody matters, because we're a tiny little speck in the cosmos. And, you know, we, we have to kind of train ourselves for that. Mm-hmm. Any, any thoughts on the, on the whole uh, yeah, you know, statement I, there? Again, <laughs> um, uh, I, as a parent... This is the way that I would kind of liken that. Um, I have two beautiful girls, and if I was standing on the side of the road, and I was standing there with both of my daughters, and one of them went to cross the street, and there was a car coming, mm-hmm. and I had to scream at her, you know, Jada, and I went running out, get off the road, and I went to grab her. The fact that my attention is on her in that moment doesn't mean that my other daughter on the on the sidewalk doesn't matter. But what right. it does mean is that the daughter who's in danger requires my full attention in that moment. So I'd probably view that just slightly differently as far as like the Black Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter Foundation. Um, mm-hmm. the movement Two different things. Very different things. And I think there's yep. that people haven't educated themselves to understand because then people quickly throw back the argument. Um, 
and you know, it's kind of like if I were if I were delivering delivering a eulogy, and mm-hmm. it was about someone's child who had just passed, and if someone stood up in in the congregation and went, you know, well, you're up there talking about that kid. My kid matters too. It's not time for that kid's talk. It's time for the kid that we're honoring in that moment. And so, um, I very much so can understand why a shift in focus and attention on that is necessary. But I think what's happening is that people are grossly confused about what the movement and what the foundation are. Correct. Um, yes. Foundation is political. The movement is please shine a spotlight on the fact that we've got some serious problems here. Um, exactly. So movement. I support the foundation. I do not. Um, yep. So that's where I would stand on that. Do you know? Yeah, no, I'm exactly the same way. In fact, I, I think they should have a, a shirt that represents everybody. You know, every life matters. Black lives, white lives, Latino lives. We you know they I, all matter. I understand why that in the moment, um, you know, because it's not, you know, I live in Ireland. And so, mm. uh, you know, we really only started seeing any significant color in our population in like the last 15 um 15 years there mm-hmm. and so the significance of it there is different it's yeah. not not insignificant it's different than me having been raised in virginia and growing up with um some pretty nasty stuff all around me um as mm-hmm. a child um and watching what my black friends had to go through so i have a very right. different opinion about that because i lived that um i i i was on the the team where there were quotas and where there were you know i i, I lived through this and I see this. So I have absolutely no problem with shining a spotlight on some systemic changes that need to take place um, without having to ally myself one way or the other with, you know, the every, of course all lives matter. And of course we're all human beings, but I completely understand. Can we not focus on this subject for a little while? Because the very foundation upon which the country was built, there's a lot of confusion for people, yeah, you know, yeah. and we throw in the, yeah, but the black sold their black slaves and (laughs) there's so much confusion I think that I think we really need to sit down and have a dialogue where there's not the tearing apart of one another but again as you were saying um, we've kind of lost that ability and when you spoke of martial arts I sat back and thought when when I had the car accident and when I went through the experience of having my whole body smashed up the way that I rehabilitated was with Kung Fu There you go. Yeah. I wasn't yeah. allowed into my kung fu kung fu class by my sensei until I had taken <laughs> a year of tai chi because his yep. way of dealing with this was that you come and you learn the art of the movement and you Correct. learn what I'm not going to let you do something that could potentially cause harm to somebody else where it came from what it stands for and how to find peaceful resolution before you go for violence. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, which, unfortunately, I th- but again, I think a lot of the violence, uh, unfortunately, has been driven by uh, players behind the scenes that are engulfing flames, which don't need to be engulfed. It's A lot of it's political. Uh, it's being done because, ironically enough, it's election year. And uh, they, they took a, a really a heinous crime by a, an evil police officer who did, you know, the worst thing you could possibly do is murder somebody. And he did it on video. And it took that to get people upset, which is understandable. But instead of waiting for the law to take its course, 
you know, the powers behind the scenes have made it into a political thing where it's become really ugly here in the U.S. And it's very unfortunate because, uh, you, you know, before it wasn't as, you know, there wasn't as much tension racially here uh, in the last, I would say, 10 years. Uh, it, it, maybe even the last 15 years. It, it kind of had gotten a lot better. And uh, ironically enough, uh, in the last 15 years, it's, you know, starting to decline. And now, you know, we've hit this epicenter where, you know, we're at a moment in time where, like, everybody is, like, walking on eggshells. We, we don't know if, you know, you're friendly, if you're a foe, if you're going to hit somebody from behind. Look at this uh, poor kid in uh, in Michigan who got hit. He was dancing in the street corner, peace of the 12-year-old boy. Uh, some guy comes out of the car. I don't know if you've seen the video, Mary. It's really disturbing. And in the video, he's dancing, right? The kid's dancing. The guy gets out of the car behind him and just sucker punches him, knocks him to the ground, cracks his head open, almost kills this 12-year-old boy for no reason. They just caught the guy. He turned himself in. He's going to probably go to prison now for child abuse, all kinds of things. No motive whatsoever. Absolutely nothing. And that's the mentality that, you know, that is causing, uh, you know, these kind of actions. And I wonder if there's an inherent evil in our planet. Uh, I don't know if you've dealt with that also, dealing with with You know what? I think that's a really important thing because that question comes up an awful lot now, you know. Especially when people speak of of, of God, spirituality, mm-hmm. religion, how could they allow this to happen? How could he allow this to happen? Blah, blah, blah. And so what I think people um, might just consider, and this was something for me, you know, the preacher's daughter from the South who goes through mm-hmm. the near-death experience and comes back and goes, oh, my God, mm-hmm. boy, did we have this wrong, you know? Um, yeah. Who comes back in and goes, this? kind of stuff what we're seeing right now is it's been going on since the dawn of time in some way shape form or fashion and i have always said and i've had people come come for the jugular you're never gonna see peace on earth because the earth plane wasn't designed for that Mm -hmm. what we're constantly trying to do is we're constantly trying to change the playing field as opposed to allowing ourselves to change within it and i agree with that yeah it was the biggest thing i think that that i brought back from that particular experience is going you know if you want to learn how to cook you don't go to harvard law and then Mm -hmm. try to change harvard law into a cooking school correct go to a cooking school and we come in here and we get this idea because we have forgotten from whence we came and we've forgotten that we already are that which we seek and we're these divine, incredible, omnipotent, eternal beings who, for, for shits and giggles, come in and jump into this plane and, you know, and take on everything that it has to offer. And that's discomfort. That is pain. That is incredible joy. That is love. That is hatred. That is racism. Mm-hmm. That is bliss. And that the beauty of this place is that these things can happen simultaneously. There's not a lot of places out there in the cosmos that offer that type of duality. And we'd love to talk about the fact that we've been duped by duality when duality was what we came here to experience. And this again, why would I do this? Why would I put myself through this? Well, I'm like, okay, We've been in lockdown for a while now. I don't know about you, but I love going to the cinema. I love. Oh. Dude, 
That is my jam. I love walking in the door. Yeah. The smell of That's the my heart. About to knock me out the butter and the salt and the stuff that I wouldn't allow myself to eat at home. But in the cinema, there's no rules, right? Mm -hmm. And yep. so I really look forward to these trips. And I'll go always with my kids or, you know, with a friend or whatever. And I go in, I get my tickets, I order that popcorn <laughs> and sit in. And I'm just munching away watching this gigantic screen and all of this stuff unfold. Movie finishes. I get out. I'm talking with the girls or my friends or whatever. And we're dissecting it all and having a ball. Okay. Now, put me into lockdown. And, you know, I have to watch my Netflix or my movies are on TV. It's not a tiny TV, but it's certainly not a movie screen. Do you know? Right. Yeah. And so yeah. There are benefits to the fact that I can pause and I can go to the bathroom and I can go to the fridge and grab whatever I want to. Um, I'm in control of the temperature in the room. I have, you know, I have total quiet. I can watch it by myself or I can choose to watch it with other people. Which experience is better? How could you possibly judge one as better when they're just different? Right. But yeah. on the night that I want to stay home and just hang and watch a good movie with my family sitting on the couch... It's perfect. On the night that I want to go out and, and see the blockbuster that I've been hanging out for, dying to see in the big, you know, on the big screen with, with my popcorn and all that stuff, which one's better? They're two different yeah. experiences. As a soul that's coming into an incarnation, into a body that's looking for a different experience than what it has when it's rocking in this, you know, high vibration, divine love and all this. What we do is we're fractals of that same thing. So I'm looking through the screen at you, and I am seeing a fractal of me. And mm -hmm. as you look at me, you're seeing a fractal of you. I might look different, smell different. I might have a different opinion. I might have been culturally raised differently. I live on a different continent. I might have different experiences to you altogether. Yet, I can connect with that part of you. That is allowing me to see the world through your eyes. You know, some of the stuff that you said in the first hour made my skin crawl. Mm. But I have deep love and respect for the fact that I see you. And I know that your experience and the way you were raised and the things that you've gone through are things that I did not go through in my life. So I have the capacity just like that to have utter respect for where you are and what your vision is. Okay, so that might be what makes me as an NDE or a little bit different than the next guy. Mm -hmm. I, I'm just sitting here with total grace, deep gratitude about the fact that you and I came here to have different experiences of this world. And I can still love you and I can still see you and I can still hear you and hoping that you can do the same with me. Because some of the things you say, I totally agree with. Some of the things I completely disagree with. Yeah, and that's yeah beauty of being here and being able to have an experience where that doesn't have to turn into a complete cancel, a dismissal of, you know, um, where, sorry, you're not allowed in my experience any longer because the faster I jump on that train, the more I need to be in the experience. Yeah. But you know, you did something, uh, which rarely happens when you have a conversation with somebody nowadays, you picked up on something that I didn't even make too clear, but you're absolutely right. When I talk about Black Lives Matter, I'm not talking about the statement. I'm talking about the organization. Yeah. 
And you picked up on that, and that's what you mentioned you have an issue with, which is what I have an issue with, uh, because of the fact that it doesn't go to help black folks. If the organization went and the money went to help black communities, empower the black community uh, to you know do good, I'd be 100% for it. But when I find out that the money's going to people like Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, you know, Jerry Nadler, and Sean King, who's been, uh, I don't know if you know who that is, he's the head of the, one of the heads of the Black Lives Movement. And uh, this person, is he's a white person, parents are white, and he's uh, used the, uh, you know, the black community to make himself rich, and he's pretended to be a black person until he got caught. And his own parents said, yeah, there's something black about him, he's, he's white, we're 100% white. And yet he, he still goes with this um, agenda that he's a black man and he's been oppressed. Well, he never was oppressed. His own parents said, he's never fucked oppression. He's never been, you know, harassed by cops. He's Like, it's all made up. But that's for the reason I have an issue with the movement and the organization. Not the statement. It's like uh, I was talking to um, Arlen Schumer on Thursday. And we were talking about uh, uh, Antifa, for example, Antifa. And uh, while anti-fascism is, you know, something that I can understand, because you know, nobody likes fascists, nobody likes the KKK, nobody likes, uh, you know, terrorist organizations. Those things are, you know, go against humanity, as far as I'm concerned. When, anytime you, you, you kill human beings, to me, that's against, you, you know, humanity. Uh, but I am against the, the, not the term, but I'm against the organization, that's doing a lot of this harm. And they're terrorizing communities and burning people's livelihoods down. Uh, homes are being destroyed. Businesses are being destroyed. And it's not they're going after big corporations. Like, you know, they, they destroyed CNN um, down in Seattle, which, by all means, CNN has been for years lying to people. Burn it down, right? That's what you would say. Uh, because they, they're an evil corporation. But at the same time, People work there. You're costing out jobs. You might cost some lives. It, it might engulf into fire. They might spread into other areas that innocent people are, you know, working there. Uh, you, you might, you know, create a situation where innocent people are getting hurt. And that's where I think, you know, organizations like that need to be completely, not so much eradicated because everybody has the right in freedom of speech, but as as, you know, a country... Uh, we need to like really take a look at who is the money going to? Who is that actually feeding? Is it doing any good for the community that is supposed to represent? And if it's not, and they're, and they're concocting these uh, events on purpose, then they need to be dealt with with the law. And I'm, that's one thing that I'm very clear on. Um, I don't want to see people get hurt. When I see you know stuff in the news, I tell you what, I'm a big grown man. I'm 42, but... That stuff is it's hard on the heart to see you know, a ninety two year old woman falling over because some guy punched her in the head from some crazy thought that he had was he's walking down the street. And that's happening more and more. That happened recently. Uh this twelve year old boy who's dancing on the street just gets sucker punched, gets his head cracked open. For no reason. You know, that we now we're dealing with racial attacks on both ends for no reason. Because uh, you know, some people are getting gassed up and and and, and and are letting the media control their thought and their narrative, which is, that's dangerous. When the media is controlling your narrative and it's the one controlling your mind, that says a lot.
about how powerful the media is and and what's the name of the big powerful antichrist that uh people have talked about for years television tell lies to your vision right television tell lies and people follow television they follow cnn msnbc fox news all the culprits and they they develop their own you know idea of what is going on and then you know somebody comes in and says yeah you got to go do this, and you got to go out and create good trouble. There's no such thing as good trouble. And you can start off with honest, you know, intentions, and it spills into something ugly. And then all of a sudden, now you have riots, you have the chop zone in Seattle. And the funny thing is about that, Mary, which I, I, I find hysterical about it, places like Chop or Chaz in Seattle, and uh, the disturbances in the, in the U.S. here that's been going off the last few weeks is they're all democratically ran cities, which is funny in itself, heavily liberal. And after the disaster and the riots and all the, the looting and everything, now the mayors and the governors who failed their city are coming out saying, by the way, uh, federal government, can you give us money to fix all this nonsense that we allowed to happen and we told the cops to go home? How does that work? Who's going to pay for that? And I think it's it's funny, um, just from what you just said there, it's now people can see why I, as an American who've lived abroad for the last 21 years. Um, Don't miss you know, it, I'm sure. <laughs> we were raised, though, you and I, um, being from nearly the same era, um, we were raised very much so, God bless America, America is beautiful, America is powerful, and the rest of the world reveres the choices that we as America make. And mm -hmm. what's been so fascinating is spending over two decades watching America as an observer as opposed to being inside of it. And, you know, realizing that the vast majority of the rest of the world, you know, think that we're a bunch of idiots. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I wholeheartedly agree with them. Um, because At sometimes, I, yeah, yeah. I still love my country. Sure, I do. I love the cut. But you understand my viewpoint having been changed from what I experienced, I see this as one of the most incredible opportunities for people to come into this space to learn and grow. And these problems will never go away, you know, and people are like, That's until we talk, I don't mean that negatively at all. I think yeah. that you, there are so many layers to the cake that mm -hmm. there is no way bar complete annihilation that the cake goes away. And Correct, I think yeah. this is why you see in history, we've seen a repetition of societies that rise and fall of catastrophes that come and go. It's so predictable. The cycle yeah. is so easy to see if you step outside of it. And so it's been very interesting for me because I've been here since March um, and I'll be going home next month back to Ireland. And it's fascinating to have been here to watch this whole thing unfold. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and am I proud to be American? Absolutely. But I'm also proud to be human. I'm proud to be Irish. I'm proud to be, I think that for me, I don't have the capacity any longer to polarize in just one direction. I can't do that. That's what, you know, that's how my life changed. Mm -hmm. And, um, Understanding is the New Healing, which is the title of one of uh, my books. Yes. The whole point behind that was the idea that understanding and healing are interlinked because if we can understand 
someone's viewpoint of the world and why in their experience things unfolded the way that we that they did we can find healing within that because Correct. your experience of life is yours how can i possibly take that away all i can do is attempt to understand why you are the person that you are today why you feel the way you do why you contribute the way you do why you speak the way you do my job as another human being is to attempt to understand that as opposed to judge that right mm -hmm. and so in that comes comes this great healing because when we hang up and we get identified by you know you're this and I'm this or you're this and I'm this um, and you couldn't you know you well I'll, I'll see your child abuse and I'll raise you my rape when I was 17 do you know which yeah. one was worse How they're both horrible yeah. you know? because we're both going to interact with those but I can look back right now and go I wouldn't change that rape for the world I have I had the opportunity to make that my badge of identity at the age of 17 and I chose differently and I've used that and helped so many people through that process and it didn't have to be abuse or sexual you know assault or anything there's so many different areas of life where I've been able to assist people into going hey what's it gonna be get off that freaking fence you either <laughs> are identified by this or you're not it's either one thing that happened to you or it's not. I've had cancer twice. I've had a brain tumor. I've been dead. Wow. I've lost a child. I've just, you know, I have a list a mile long, yet I would argue that I'm probably one of the happiest and most positive people that you will ever come across. And that's because of having had this experience that I came back in with this childlike wonder and deep appreciation of this world that we live in, crazy and all as it is. And mm -hmm. people say all the time, oh, if it's really a choice to be here, I would have never chosen that. I would have never chosen to have this happen. <laughs> and I'm like, wait till you remember. Because you <laughs> totally yeah. go, oh, my gosh, I absolutely orchestrated that. I totally chose that. And so, you know, do I have an unfair disadvantage? I don't know. It's, you know, I had to go through the experience in the midst of all of this chaos I, like I said I wouldn't have missed being here for anything I flew over here I picked up the phone and called my friend in Los Angeles and said hey here's the deal I'm flying to America and I guarantee you in fact I intend to get COVID on the way and what I want to do is as a doctor I want to talk about my experience because I happen to know because I've already been dead, that I don't die from this. So, I, yeah, okay, is that an unfair advantage? I don't know. Or is it something I'm using to my advantage to educate people? So, so sure enough, I arrive on the 12th of March, and on Friday the 13th, boom, I got COVID. You know? Oh, wow. So I was and on a very, uh, a, a very uh, dark day as it is, Friday the 13th. I love that day. It's a great day. happens. <laughs> <laughs> Because people's expectations and their own vibration of expectation trigger the events all around them and they don't yeah. even realize it, you know. So, um, you know, I, I get the opportunity to have this and to do the testing and, and all of the stuff and, and, you know, start exposing some of this for the farce that it is. Um, however, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist just because aspects of it are completely false. My right. mother, who's and also had it and survived 
my mom and her best friend, who were also, who's also 91, her child, my mom, me, I had it, and her best friend's child had it at the same time. I lived wow. and died. I, I have a very different experience. I'm, I'm smack in the middle of Los Angeles, and I've had a very different experience of L.A. during the, what my friends are telling me that they're seeing on TV. And I'm yeah. like, I'm a parallel universe here because it doesn't, it doesn't look like that. It's completely different, you know. And so that's again the media feeding false narratives of what's really going on, and that's uh, they're playing with people's minds. And that's what I'm saying earlier. They're, they're lighting fires uh, to get their narrative uh, of you know the the world's coming to an end is a destruction. I almost feel, uh, Mary, that what we're facing is. Some people are trying to enact the end of days. They're trying to bring forth a biblical end of days revelation, or they're, they're trying to make it and push it to happen where there's really no need for it, but they're doing it to scare people. Not so much that the world's really going to come to an end, because it's funny enough, everybody's like, oh, in 2021, everybody's going to go back to work. Theater's going to be open, everything's going to be normal. Well, just because the calendar changes doesn't mean that, you know, the virus is going to go away, you know, from when you're, we're a few months away from that, so what is, what's the difference? Oh, right, it's election year here in the U.S. That's the big difference. So a lot of this is media-driven, and like you said, you're in California, where it, there's disaster zones in California, let's be honest, some areas which is atrocious, in San Francisco is a nightmare. And they used to be the happiest place on earth in the 80s, right? The, the, the gay San Francisco. Everybody, you know, went there and nobody got mugged. Now you can't walk in San Francisco without getting a needle stuck to your foot. It's crazy. And, uh, again, a lot of that is, uh, you know, uh, might be driven by media, but a lot of it is, you know, facts in certain areas that stuff is happening. But the media, it blows everything out of proportion. So people are, are getting this narrative that, oh, my God, the heavens are falling. Revelations is coming true. You know, we're, we're at an end time. And the planet's been here for billions of years. What makes us think that it's going to end now? This is an ongoing process. You know, we're supposed to go and come and go and come and, and do the whole nine yards. And who knows if this is the end here. Maybe we'll be born here. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you've dealt with people who've come back and said uh, they've had past life experience, uh, you know, memories. They've come to them after they, they've gone through their near-death experience. That's happened a lot, I'm sure, in your research. Right? Yeah, and, but I think what's been interesting for me to this space and with such a broad perspective of how the world actually works um, mm -hmm. and, and that understanding of, of something that before I had, with great humor, actually, and simply we've made this a political thing. And it's so funny. Yet some people are totally into politics and some people are into spirituality. We all have our areas of interest in life. And I think it's been, been very funny because I, as as someone who went through COVID and survived COVID and have, mm -hmm. you know, I'm also a doctor. And I, so I had some very interesting opportunities to do a lot of research on what was coming up. And it was very, uh, it wasn't what people were expecting. There was a lot of stuff going on in there. Um, I was talking about losing taste and smell before it was ever popular, you know, yeah. and, and because it was all the way back in March. And yeah. what's yeah. been funny is watching this division of now, if you disagree with wearing a mask here, you're a Republican. And yeah. you know, 
none of them. And I have found it so interesting in that if you're if you support a Black Lives Matter movement, that you're Democrat. And I'm going, wow, this is how narrow we've become. Because yeah. if you try to pigeonhole people down, because I'm not going to ever be one or the other, because there's so much in between. And there are so many factors in one side and the other that there are elements of me that are in this part. And there are elements of me that are in this part. And there are elements of me that are right all here in the middle. So I can't ally myself to one or the other. I can't. Because um, it's I tough. think you're throwing, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, and so um, it's, it's very interesting. I also know that the way that this country is set up and the way that the voting system is in place, that if you're going to cast a vote, you've got to pick one or the other. You know, you've got to do this. And so um, I look at that and just go, wow, this is incredible um, to sit back and be part of watching this process because – um, I've watched a lot of people become very vocal. A lot of people become very judgmental. I've watched families split, um, you know, because I work in, in healing, because that's, you know, I came back from this death experience with these crazy, unusual abilities to literally sit, tap into somebody and download their hard drive. And it's to wipe the window clean to allow them to find their way out of something. You know, a healer is someone who just turns the light on for somebody else or wipes the window clean and allows that other individual to go, oh, sh- I could do this all the- all along. I didn't realize that. I forgot. Um, so it's very, very hard for me to sit and do anything bar observe and continuously interject love. And I don't mean that in a cheesy, airy, fairy way kind of way. Being present and being steadfast in the belief that all things serve a purpose is not so easy, you know? Yep. Because yep. do I want to get angry and do I want to get you know, really ticked off when people, I had somebody on my social media this morning say, I cannot believe you said that you have a responsibility to be positive. And I went, Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. and then so what's the tendency? What do you really want to do? Click by Felicia. Do you know? Yeah. But yeah. I can't do that. I am now bound by an ironclad law in my own performance here as a human being because of what happened to me in that near-death experience that says, zip it, sunshine, sit back, observe, watch what's going on, and recognize the place that every person who's coming at you is coming from because it's different to your experience. And just because it's different and just because they're hurt and because they're angry, don't you dare sit back and judge them about what they're bringing to the table because they are bringing something from a space of pain and hurt that you don't have the capacity to do right now. So who's better? Who's the better human? You or them? I thought you said you were here to experience life as a human being. And this is what happened. We've created this hierarchy when we are experiential beings all the way around. And we've tried to go, well, if you believe this, it's like I had this thing about the term in the box or out of the box. Um, Because what's happened in area, you know, in, fairyland and and, um, kind of the gross misrepresentation of what spirituality actually is, we tend to go, oh, well, they're so in the box. Well, I'm out of the box. And we've made out of the box better than in the box. And Mm -hmm. what's fascinating about that is they're all just boxes. And some of those boxes 
provide opportunities for us to learn things that otherwise we couldn't have unless the box had been present. And Correct. so this thing that we're doing of I'm better than you because I, I'm so much more evolved than you are. I'm like, seriously, <laughs> do you, you know, we all are coming from a space. I couldn't possibly have your eyes and your vision of the world around. So I listen to what you have to say. I'm listening to that. Do you know, do I necessarily agree with all of it? Nope. No, no, you don't have to. That's human nature, though. Do I like you and appreciate you as a person? Absolutely. And so I think if people adopt, adopted the capacity to do that and to actually listen and to understand that people have their opinions because of what their personal experiences were, do you mm -hmm. know, that I yeah. think that's the most important thing that we can do. I was out with my girls when they flew over from Ireland and I took them down to the protests and we marched. Did we march because of everything that the protest stood for? Or did we march because as human beings, I thought as a mother, what could be more valuable than to allow my children to be in the energy of all that angst and for them to know what it felt like to be involved and feel something so strongly because in their young lives, they've never had to come up with something like that. They haven't, they've come from a different place. They've never had that kind of pain. And so what better gift could I give them as someone who values experience than to put them right in the middle of it and go, here's what this looks like. Here's what this tastes like. Here's what this smells like. Put that into your toolbox and go do, do something with it. Well, what I agree with a lot of that, the only thing I, I would say is the only dangerous part about that is when you deal with uh, incidents that are, uh, in, you know, I wouldn't say concocted, but are again uh enraged by uh really evil players behind the scenes uh it's almost like teaching a a, a good lesson in a bad moment um especially yeah, when you when that's you're dealing with uh you know, the the thing is also you gotta, you gotta put into perspective uh why a lot of this stuff happened and uh there is a, a whole history in this country we haven't dealt with because of the conversation aspect which people don't want to sit down and actually have this conversation and do it in a civil manner. And that's the main issue. People don't want to have a civilized conversation and they want to continue with this, uh, well, we got to destroy it all and tear it all down. That doesn't work out too well. Look what happened in Venezuela, Cuba, and every other country. They've torn it all down and then it gets so much worse, you know? And I come from Cuba, so I've seen firsthand what that kind of thing does. I have family members who got shot in what's called the pared, the wall, the mural. A uh, family uncle of mine who got shot by the Castro regime simply because they were anti-revolutionary. And they got murdered. My cousin, Nelson Molina Espino, very famous case in Cuba, teacher, got arrested. They, they gave him 20 years in jail for protesting Cuban human rights in Cuba. And he got 20 years in prison for simply doing a hunger strike. And he got tortured, beaten every single day. And, you know, when you look at that and you feel that and you experience that, then you see the president of that time, Obama, going to Cuba and shaking hands with those people that murdered my uncle, the same people that enslaved my cousin in prison and abused him, who's a school teacher. And you put yourself in that perspective and you see the president shaking hands, watching baseball games, seeing how great these people are. It really brings to light, you know, that voting for that guy was a mistake. Voting for that side and listening to that side, which is enlightening, you know, enlightening itself up with, you know, with pure evil, 
that's where I, I tend to say, okay, that's where the buck ends for me. Um, because I try to be as peaceful and, and you know, as uh, nice to everybody as possible. But at the same time, I've been through certain experiences. So when somebody tells me, oh, but you haven't lived through a certain experience, yeah, but you haven't lived through this. And this is exactly what's going to happen here if we don't start, you know, to have a conversation which is civil and not start to destroy everything that's been before. And ironically enough, the people behind the scenes that are getting all the cash from, like, Black Lives Matter, all people that are in Congress, that are Caucasian, and that have political agendas. And there are other ones that are orchestrating a lot of this stuff. And that's the sad part. So you're taking a terrible situation, and they're making it worse for political reasons. That's where, you know, I stand uh, when it comes to that. Now, we're short on time, and I really wanted to show your book, uh, the, some of the books you have. Please put them on camera. I want people to take a look at this, uh, take a look at the covers and this, uh, get the, the info out how they can get the books. There you go. Promise. Promise by Heaven. Promise right. by Heaven. This is Understand Against the New Healing. And this is Bringing Death to Life. And they're all available on MaryHelenHensley.com. Very cool. And, you know, I, I value and appreciate um, your time to present that. And, you know, again, I leave here even stronger in my conviction of the fact that all of the views and all of the experiences are so necessary. Um, yeah. And that when you have that story that somebody else has one that's equally as traumatic and um, that would allow them to align with or believe in just as deeply as you and believe in your cause. And I sit back and I watch this and I go, yeah, and this is, you know, this is why we've got to learn to communicate. With and there is nothing that you will ever say that will invalidate their trauma, nor is there something they will ever say that will Correct. invalidate you. could all that we could probably have an easier experience together as we move through these um these really interesting times but you know all of that said there is no right here right now no place i'd rather be i find i find such gratitude for being able to be here on the planet during this time and watching this unfold because listen it's a it's a front row seat and you don't get this anywhere else in the cosmos and yeah. so i'm just grateful to be able to have the, the appreciation and understanding for life the way that i do now mm -hmm. um i see you and i see the person that might be the polar opposite to you and i see both of you as valid and loving human beings who deeply believe in what your causes are and that somewhere in the middle, I hope that you find a way that you can meet rather than tearing one another down. Exactly. Uh, Dr. Dr. Mary Helen, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, but I, I will promise you this. You know, unfortunately, this week has been a little rough for me to uh, get everything in, in order after the passing of George. But I want to read your books. I want to make sure I go through them uh, thoroughly. So I'm going to check them out on Amazon. We can get them on Amazon, right? You can indeed. Okay, so I'm going to do my homework, and I want to have you back on in a few uh, weeks, maybe a month or two, maybe three, and once I get through the books. And uh, I want to go in-depth uh, with, uh, you know, some of the topics in there. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I couldn't go do that this week, but I promise you that I will. You and I Thank you. I we're we're going to have you back on because you've been lovely. You've been really uh, wonderful. Thank you so much.
and enjoy yourself in California. Please stay COVID free. And uh, I know you already had it once, uh, but don't get, don't get it again. We don't need you to get sick again a second time. So stay safe. Make sure the family's safe and sound. And uh, bless you and uh, everybody around. And uh, definitely your your uh, you know your kids and uh, everything in the family that you have uh, safe. Make sure they stay that way because that's all we have. Once they're gone, you know that's it. We lose everything. So. Uh, bless you for being here with uh, with me tonight. Thank really you. appreciate it. Thank and uh, we're going to uh, catch you back on soon, right? My pleasure. You're awesome. Thank you so much, Doctor. Doctor Mary Helen Hensley, very lovely uh, lady. And again, going back to Ireland. That's going to be refreshing from California to Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> you must miss it. I'm looking forward to the cooler weather. Yeah, there you go, there you go. Guys, stick around, there's a whole lot more on PSN Radio and SoFlo Radio and Global Enlightenment Radio Network. And now we shall return in a few. Talk soon. Mm-hmm.